G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Now tomorrow is International Women's Day and while much of the focus of the day reflects a very secularised focus around women, uh, there are going to be some deeper aspects that we'll want to talk about today. Not just women speaking up on women's issues, but as Christian believers, we say it takes all members of our community speaking up when the image of women is dragged through the mud. And as you might appreciate, lots of battles in this space happen in social media. Well, our special guest today, Melinda Tankard-Reist, leads Collective Shout and is one of those champions defending women and children. And Melinda is joining us. Melinda, a special welcome back to 2020. Always good to talk about these issues with with you and your your listeners, Neil. Thank you. Uh, Melinda, tomorrow is International Women's Day. Uh, Your organisation, it's a very diverse one. Uh, No doubt there's some robust conversations that go on in your office. Uh, Give us your uh, impression about, you know, how things happen when you've got a discussion and International Women's Day is coming and where you'd, you know, put your efforts as collective shout. Well, at Collective Shout for a World Free of Sexploitation, we we want to celebrate our achievements over the last 14 years since we first founded. So we will take time to reflect on our campaign victories over the years, grassroots campaigns supported by thousands of, of people in Australia and internationally. We also reflect on the messages we get back, especially from young women who say, you help me stand up for myself, you help me be strong, you help me say no, you help me find a voice. Women who write to us and say, you help me to be brave. You know, in the past, I felt like maybe I was the only one uncomfortable with sexualized clothing for children or sexist billboards or or violent games depicting violence against women. But now I realize I'm part of a, a movement of thousands of people who feel the same way. So we want to celebrate the good, but we also acknowledge there's a lot more to be done. There is so much more to be done. Violence against women is an epidemic around the world, trafficking, uh, sexist advertising, predators on big tech platforms targeting underage girls, of course, the global porn industry, which is dispensing uh, women hatred and misogyny on a global level. I'm actually speaking on that issue uh, in a summit at the, the United Nations this week, Neil. I'm, I'm part of a panel on violence against women, does technology harm or hinder? So I'll be discussing some of those issues uh, this week at the summit in New York. I'm coming in online. Uh, so that's a great opportunity for us as well. You are in demand around the world and uh, we are thrilled that your voice is being heard. Let me just take you back to young women for a few moments because mm-hmm. uh, you've got girls, young women who are born into our world that depicts women in a certain way and there are all sorts of challenges around that. In some sense here, you're fighting a generational battle 
and uh, you've got young girls who are beginning to appreciate the sorts of things that you're standing up for as collective shout, and you want to see young women actually you know, grab a hold of these principles and run with them too. Otherwise, they can just be swept away in the current of culture, can't they? Absolutely. One aspects of our work is that we help young women especially to see that they are marinating in a toxic culture which tells them that you have to be thin, hot and sexy. You have to attract attention. Your only value, your only currency lies in your physical appearance, your sexual attractiveness, your sexual availability. And this message, is, has, this message from mainstream popular culture has infected even young girls. You only need to spend a couple of minutes on TikTok, for example, to see that girls are acting out the idea that their entire value, their entire currency lies in their uh, sexual attractiveness, their performative attractiveness online. This is making our girls sick. We have an epidemic of mental health problems, depression, anxiety, uh, self-harm, body image uh, disorders, including in younger and younger girls. And that's why our work is more relevant than ever because younger and younger girls are being harmed. Uh, They are experiencing increased rates of mental health problems, much of that apportioned to the impact of social media on them. Phenomenal research that shows that self-harm in girls aged 10 to 14 increased 189% since 2009 when we introduced smartphones, devices and social media. Uh, So we are doing everything we can to address that and helping girls themselves to see the culture is deforming them giving them harmful ideas about bodies, relationships and sexuality. They deserve more. They should be valued for their innate dignity, their gifts, their talents, their abilities, their uniqueness. We help them to see that and then to act personally and collectively to change those harmful cultural dictates. Let me just pause a moment here just to encourage listeners that some of the things we are going to be getting into when we start to talk about some of the campaigns that Collective Shout has run, uh, some of the victories that they've had, some of those things might be challenging for little ears. So for those parents that might have little ones around, it might be good to distract them for this conversation. And I should have mentioned that at the start of our conversation, but as we get into things now and start to realise that, yes, this could go all sorts of different ways, and I really don't want Melinda to hold back when she's sharing the sorts of things that she has been involved in the battle for. But stay on social media here for a moment. You mentioned TikTok, Melinda. Uh, you mentioned the 189 at times greater, uh, the increase of harm, uh, those sorts of things. Some countries around the world now are beginning to limit TikTok. Uh, we've been encouraging parents to limit their you know screen time for their children growing up but what are your thoughts about countries imposing limits on tiktok well at collective shout we have been calling on the big tech companies to limit the harms that they are doing to young people uh, especially to girls 
we have called on them to implement uh, more controls, to do more to verify age. You know, kids aren't supposed to be on social media until 13 plus, but we meet children much younger than that, even in primary school, who are on these platforms. As a result, they are vulnerable to predators. Uh, They're vulnerable to pornography. A a lot of kids aren't necessarily going to designated porn sites to see porn. They're seeing it in their social media feeds. They're seeing it on TikTok. They're seeing it on Instagram. Uh, Most boys now uh, are finding porn. They're looking for porn on Twitter, which is interesting. That came out of a United, uh, out of a... uh, UK report just released in 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 January which is really worth reading uh, so not trying to to limit time on social media uh, we talk to parents about their their role as well but we need the big tech companies to show some more responsibility now some countries are, are requiring uh, more action so for example proof-of-age protections for children to try to protect children from porn. Uh, those uh, That age verification system is now being rolled out in the UK, in Italy, in Spain, in four US states. Australia is now on the cusp of making a decision on this and uh, it's a campaign we've been leading for a long time now is to, to have the Australian government implement proof-of-age protections to limit exposure to porn. The eSafety Commission is due to report literally this month on a roadmap, a plan to roll out that system. We are hoping it won't be watered down. We are hoping the vested interests of the sex industry won't be put before the well-being of of children. This remains to be seen. And, of course, we are watching very closely. Melinda, no doubt there's all sorts of campaigns you've got going around issues to do with porn. I know there's been some wins. We might get on to some of those. But talking women, I mean, tomorrow, International Women's Day, and uh, there is a, a feminist ideal for women. There might even be a Christian feminist ideal for women as well. And we might not get into some of that sort of depth philosophically, but uh, lots of re- listeners might remember, you know, Helen Reddy, uh, who sang I Am Woman and uh, really gave women around the world a real boost. You know, I am strong. I am invincible. I am woman. But then along comes porn in the way that everyone can access it on their mobile device. The thought of invincibility uh, has to be moderated somehow. I wonder how you reflect on that when you're talking to women who want to be the strong woman that was, you know, touted right back to the 1970s. But there are some vulnerabilities, aren't there? How do you reflect mm-hmm. on it? Yeah, that's, that's a good question, Neil. It's it's interesting you've mentioned the Helen Reddy song. I was speaking last October at the largest feminist conference in Europe. I was actually launching my new book there called He Chose Porn Over Me, Women Harmed by Men Who Use Porn. And we we had a bit of a, a party, bit of a celebration in the evening with um, more than a 1,000 women. And that song was played. That song was played. It has universal uh, recognition and uh, many, many women in, in the world, uh, I think, find something special in, in that song. So, yes, we want women to be strong. Definitely we do. And we're all about strengthening women, helping women and girls to stand up for themselves, to enforce boundaries, to say no, to act according to their their values, their boundaries, their conscience. But 
as you've pointed to, the global porn industry especially undermines the status of women. It is a mammoth dispenser of sexualized violence and misogyny. It is the world's most powerful sexual groomer. In a piece I wrote for the ABC, I called it the world's largest department of education. And so you can't have both. You can't talk about respect for women and at the same time allow the mass dehumanization of women and girls in mainstream pornography because the biggest studies in the world now show that pornography leads to violence against women, right? There's no doubt about this uh, anymore. The jury is not out on this. Uh, the global research, even in the Australia's new National Plan of Action to Address Violence Against Women, cites pornography as a contributing driver of violence against women. And that's like our highest document in, in the land. That, that document informs government action to address violence against women. And I'll quote from it. It says, pornography often depicts physical and verbal aggression towards women, male dominance, female submission, and non-consensual behaviours. Greater pornography use is associated with less progressive attitudes about gender roles, with a belief that women are sex objects, and with acceptance of myths about rape. It promotes sexist, misogynistic, and degrading views about women. This is what the research tells us. This is what women tell us. This is what directors of sexual violence centres, including in Queensland, uh, tell us that they are seeing more porn-inspired injuries in women, including as young as 14 years of age. Girls now expect to be treated badly. They expect to be treated aggressively. The stories girls tell me in schools are getting worse. They're getting worse younger. Routine daily sexual harassment, boys demanding naked images, even threatening to rape them, to rape their sisters, to rape their mothers if they don't send those images. Girls subjected to sexual groaning and moaning noises by boys, including in the schoolyard, on the school bus, at the school camp, in the classroom, and even uh, one of the most distressing stories I heard, even in the school's chapel during daily worship in Christian schools. And this is all the outworking, the fruit of porn and porn culture. Girls uh, tell us that boys expect to treat them poorly, to treat them aggressively, uh, to inflict degrading acts on them. Uh, this new UK report that just came out in January, Commissioner, that 79% of of young people had encountered violent pornography before the age of 18 and it found that young people 16 to 21 were more likely to assume that girls expect or enjoy sex involving physical aggression than don't and that girls were more likely than boys to have experienced a violent sex act which could be defined as aggressive, coercive or degrading. Now that's a long answer to your question, Neil, but the fact is, uh, yes, of course, we want girls and women to, to be strong, to be invincible, to be to be proud of being women, and to be to be free uh, to pursue their, their their goals in life. However, this uh, mammoth industry is educating uh, boys um, into the opposite idea that that women and girls are there for them, that they are entitled to them, and so you you can't have both at the same time. What what one <laughs> One will 
overtake and beat the other if we don't do something about it. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Well, it is the eve of International Women's Day and what a conversation to have today. I do want to invite you to join in this conversation, a question, a comment, even a critique. 1-800-316-316. Melinda Tankard-Reist is our guest. Melinda leads Collective Shout, one of the champions defending women and children. We're going to take some calls in just a moment, Melinda, but just come back to something you mentioned as you were talking about Uh, the way that women have to face uh, the challenges that they are facing, having values, having boundaries, and having their own conscience. Uh, I couldn't help but when you said that, I think that sometimes those things, they seem very relative, Uh, you know, values. We sort of live in a values-free zone in so many places. Boundaries. Uh, boundaries are varying from person to person and uh, just finding the same person that's on the same field as you are is not so easy. And conscience, it seems to be so easily seared and people are in some ways uh, not running with their conscience but going with the flow. Thoughts here on what you do to get strong as a woman or even as even as a man too? Mm-hmm. So... When we go into schools, for example, we help uh, young people, also parents and teachers, but uh, most of our focus is on young people, to critique and to dissect the culture they're living in and to help them to see how uh, they are impacted, how they are being shaped in harmful ways. That then helps them to clarify their values. What do I want for myself? What kind of life do I want? What's going to help me to flourish in life and to be my best self? How can I stand up for myself? We, we, we really drill down into scenarios. You're asked to do something you don't want to do. How do you determine what you actually want to do and how you can enforce that? Because we know that as so many young people are being pressured to do things they don't want to do, including the boys. We've talked to boys who, for example, don't want to look at porn and other boys have forced them to look at it, literally even holding them down. Uh, we uh, talk to boys who are preyed on by by bots on their social media page. There's a, a whole a sextortion scheme now happening where boys think they're chatting to a girl the same age. The girl asks the girl, <laughs> inverted commas, asks the boy to send a picture. He sends a picture that they discover that it's not a girl at all. It's certainly not a girl their age. And then they're extorted. Uh, they're threatened. They're told, oh, we're going to share this picture everywhere unless you send money. And boys have sent money and then blackmailed for more. And some boys have actually taken their lives. So we look at how can you resist these pressures? How can you uh, discern, uh, I suppose, the truth from the lies, the lies of the culture uh, and the truth about about you, your true value, your true worth, what you want for for yourself. And often it's a revelation, it's a, an awakening to young people to realise they don't have to go along with the culture. Uh, they can enforce their boundaries, stand up for themselves. A lot of these behaviours, including sexual harassment, are illegal. So they realise the law is actually on their side. They realise that their school has a duty of care to provide a safe educational environment. So, for example, if boys are allowed to touch them, grope them, 
take photos of them uh, under their skirts, if boys are allowed to sexual, sexually moan and groan at them, then the school is not providing a safe educational environment. And so they are allowed to call that out. The, the girls and the boys as well are allowed to call that out. Uh, so they come to a realisation. We're not there to tell them what to do. We're not there to micromanage their behaviour. But we take them on a journey that often results in the students saying uh, that they have realised they're being deformed by the culture and that they want something better for themselves, even if it might initially make them unpopular or have less friends or get called names. You know, they're going to get called names anyway, <laughs> so you may as well act in your best interests um, and endure that because you will come out better if you act according to your conscience and what you want for yourself. So we, we see it in action. It's a wonderful thing to see. It keeps me getting out of bed every day to do to do this work because of the wonderful responses that we get from from uh, young women and also from young men. It's a powerful thought uh, to understand our culture is deformed and uh, we might get on to some more of that, but let's take a call. Ben is in Brookton in Western Australia. Ben, welcome along. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, how are you going? Good, Ben. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, well, my thoughts in regards to, um, like, you know, I think we really need to, you know, raise awareness, you know, to our, to our, our daughters and, and the young women sort of um, at school because it's getting um, getting glamorised, the sort of the, the porn industry and, you know, you see them on the podcasts and they're glamorising, um, you know, the, the OnlyFans and all that sort of stuff and saying, you know, getting the girls on there, saying how much money they make and how great it is and and all this sort of stuff. So, you know, and, and the girls are sort of doing it in their own <coughs> private, you know, um, sort of private place or whatever. Um, and, yeah, I just think that, you know, we've got to shine a light on it um, in order, you know, and let them know that it's not right. And, um, yeah, it's just um, it's not glamorous. It's... Um, Yes, ben, wrong. a good and, contribution. Um, yeah. Let's get a thought or two from Melinda on uh, the glamorization of porn. And uh, it's not just yep. boys who are seeing that glamour. The girls are actually the ones responding to the glamour, aren't they? <laughs> yes. Well, yes. tragically, yes. Tragically, yes. Uh, many girls, even really young girls now, think that they can sell themselves on OnlyFans. They'll sell their pictures, they'll sell their videos, and they'll make... Uh, heaps of money, which they've been lied to about because only a tiny proportion of uh, women uh, who set up OnlyFans accounts actually make any money, and often that's for a very limited time because they pass their use-by date. And there's more competition now. Uh, there's more pressure to engage in really hardcore uh, sexual depictions, sexual acts on OnlyFans. It's just become another mode of, of porn, um, porn dispensing, really, uh, but it, it's particularly upsetting when you see young girls saying, I don't need to work, I'll never need to get a real job, I don't even need to finish school because I can just go on OnlyFans. And we wrote a report on this. It's called Side Hustles and Sexploitation. And uh, the reality about OnlyFans is, is one, uh, most women won't make that much money. Uh, two, you will lose control over your images. Uh, so women discover that their images have been uploaded to porn sites uh, that they've been victims of non-consensual image sharing, uh, and it's you know it's an abusive uh, platform, it's an exploitative platform, and more and more young girls are being fooled by this idea that it, it is empowering and glamorous, and that's why we address uh, OnlyFans 
uh, and similar platforms in, in our talks as well. Ben, anything more to add? Um, no, well, that's not. It's, it's pretty, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's great. But, yeah, but, ben, I just that picked I up know. that you're a dad of daughters. Is that the case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have do have one, and um, and you know, it's, you know, it's um, yeah, it's sort of been been discussed um before, and you know, it's it's also you know, the boys think that you know, I mean, they're they're actually showing the facts where, you know, the boyfriend, um, you know, making money off the the girlfriend even, right. um, like it's a whole. They're trying to play it on both sides to appeal to the, the woman and the man, which is, you know, it's just totally wrong. Ben, thank you for your con- your contribution. Exploitation is rife, and our kids are in the middle of it, and they are headed for being victims of that exploitation. We'll take some calls in just a few moments. Uh, I do want to ask you this, though, Melinda. Um, when we're talking about girls and protecting them, Sometimes we're talking about the boys in a very poor light and everyone needs to be nurtured and equipped in certain ways to be able to handle the culture that we're in. Uh, Obviously, as a defender of girls and of women, sometimes boys are painted in a different light. I wonder a thought or two from you as we before we move on. Well, we address boys as well, Neil and uh Two years ago, I uh, brought on board uh, a colleague, Daniel Principe, primarily to reach out to boys because we could see how boys are being uh, deformed by harmful messages about masculinity. They're being taught about uh, sexuality from the biggest department of education in the world, the porn industry. They're being preyed on and groomed by a global multi-billion dollar corporation whose business model is to groom the next generation of consumers. Now, we don't believe that boys are born uh, to behave this way. We don't believe that boys are born uh, innately cruel, innately aggressive, innately uh, grasping, innately entitled. But the culture builds this into boys from the moment they are born. So we do this work because we believe that boys can be better. We believe that our young men uh, can uh, also recognise that, yes, this culture is harming girls, but it's harming them as well and that that they won't be able to sustain uh, long-term relationships, long-term intimate relationships, uh, let alone uh, sustained families, family life, uh, that they will not lead their best lives and be their best selves if they allow a porn to get a grip on them. So yes, we call out the behaviour. Often it is illegal behaviour. Yes, we uh, point out to boys that these behaviours are inappropriate and causing great suffering. But we go further than that. We help them to see that they're being shaped and moulded in these harmful ways. And we have more boys now saying they don't want to Uh, be controlled by the toxic scripts of the porn industry. They want to be young men of integrity and respect. Uh, For the listeners that are interested, uh, my colleague Daniel uh, has an interview series called Reimagining Masculinity, which you can find on Collective Shout's YouTube account. Reimagining Masculinity, helping young men especially see there's another way to be male, uh, not based on entitlement, domination, seeing girls as second-class submissive 
existing, you know, the Andrew Tate version. Um, you know, so many boys are being influenced by him and think that their role is to become uh, pimps of girls and control them. So that's why we are doing more work with boys. Last year we reached 21,000 students across Australia in public and private schools, in regions, in country towns, in cities, in Australia, uh, also on Christmas Island, uh, with a message which is empowering to young women and to young men. Melinda, I'm going to pick up something I know that is very controversial with you in just a short while. Hold the thought here when we talk about uh, state schools, private schools, because we're talking about Christian schools in all of that. Hold the thought there. Uh, listeners will be very challenged by some of the things you'll share when we get to that. But let's take some calls and perhaps we can get some through a couple of these calls quickly. Let's hear from Tracy in Bunbury in Western Australia. Hi, Tracy. Welcome. Hi, thank you very much. How are you? <laughs> very well, Tracy. Hey, what are your thoughts? Um, I, my thoughts are, so I've got experience um, in regards to an ex-partner of mine who I deem to be addicted uh, to, to porn. Um, and initially, when I first got into that relationship, I didn't view porn as too detrimental to a relationship. I um, Obviously, as time's gone on, my views have changed. Um, but I found that once that addiction really took hold... Um, there was a lot of anger and a lot of resentment and um, and I was thinking, you know, is he depressed or, or whatnot? But when I really got down to the root of it, it was that I could no longer appease any form of um, my place as a woman in this relationship uh, to him because I, I wasn't a porn star. <laughs> um, so it, that there, I think, is a really big thing when we have adult males uh, leading the charge. Um, and then, you know, I've also got um, young boys myself. I've got two sons. Um, so I really angle with them the the respect and integrity of, of, of women, as Melinda was just saying, um, but in respect and integrity of themselves. And men who I believe should be leaders in the, in the family unit need to need to personify that, need to example that, because the best teacher is going to be example. It's not going to be what we say to our children. You know, we, um, we hope, don't we, that we've got fathers yeah. raising their sons right. We've got mothers yeah. raising their daughters right. Uh, we've got churches where the older men teach the younger men and the older women teach the younger women. Somehow or other, there might be a generational disconnect in all of this, but let's get a thought or two from Melinda. Melinda, for Tracy, what are your thoughts? Tracy, firstly, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I know that it will resonate uh, with many, many listeners. This is why I wrote my book, He Chose Porn Over Me, Women Harmed by Men Who Use Porn. 25 personal accounts of the lived experience of women at the hands of compulsive porn-using men, the pressures on them to act like, as you said, a porn star, the pressures on them to provide sex on demand 24-7, to provide um, degrading, debased acts that they did not want to do. Many women in my book describe feeling like just a blow-up sex doll, a living sex doll, the destruction of families, the destruction of relationships, men not uh, wanting to get help, not wanting to actually change, uh, because of the benefits to them. Uh, women expected to stay in this relationship and endure uh, a half-life, to live a half-life uh, and not see that they should not have to put up with this, that they should not have to sacrifice uh, their lives to a habitual porn user who doesn't want to get help. So thank you so much for 
for sharing. Uh, unfortunately, porn uh, has invaded uh, the family life, the family home. Uh, it has invaded the church. It has invaded our sacred spaces. It is everywhere. But I'm I'm uh, glad by the sounds of it, you're out of that now, and you can uh, help uh, your boys to see there's there's a there's another way, a better way of being male, and not falling uh, prey to uh, the toxic uh, porn industry. Tracy, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Alex is in Melbourne. Hello, Alex. Welcome. Alex, are you with us? Alex, if you've uh, lost us, uh, you might like to call us back. 1-800-316-316. Melinda, let's come back to what I said would be for some listeners quite shocking because you visit schools, uh, not just state schools, but private schools. A lot of those private schools are Christian schools and you're looking and you're listening to what Mm -hmm. students are telling you. What are you hearing from Christian schools in a comparison to what you might even be hearing in state schools? Yes, well, it's very distressing, Neil, when uh, Daniel and I go into faith-based schools uh, which have, you know, particular uh, values and mission statements uh, to find that the stories that we hear in uh, quite a lot of Christian schools are as bad as anything we hear in any other school. And this shows the impact of, of a sexualized culture, a pornified world uh, that our children are growing up in. It has infected uh, the faith-based schools as well. And one of the worst stories that I heard last year was from girls in grades five and six at a serious Christian school, serious about its, its Christian teaching and mission, uh, telling us that not only were they subjected to sexual moaning and grunting and groaning noises from the boys every day in the classroom, on the school bus, at the school camp, in the schoolyard, but in the daily worship in the school's chapel. And that was a new low because it seemed to me that there, there was no safe space for girls to exist that they weren't seen as sex objects, that they weren't going to be subjected to porn-inspired, inappropriate sexual behaviours from from the boys. So, you know, we will work with any school that that wants us, absolutely. Um, We help uh, help the teachers to deal with these inappropriate behaviours and to provide that safe educational environment because... It doesn't serve the boys that are engaging in these behaviours to allow them to let them get away with it, to just dismiss it as banter or boys will be boys or it's just a joke because it's not setting the boys up for success in life. If they're sexually groaning and moaning at girls at young ages, uh, often mimicking older boys, they don't always know what it means, uh, and then they continue to do that through high school and then they leave school and say they enter policing or they enter politics they become a captain of industry or uh, they become a, a judge sitting on a bench hearing a, a sexual harassment or sexual assault trial, uh, what will be the outcome if uh, they didn't learn appropriate behaviours as, as boys? So we all have a duty of care to our young people and uh, we all need to model the right uh, behaviour and also have appropriate uh, consequences uh, for when uh, young people aren't living up to the values of, of, of the school. 
And a lot of people, of course, are involved in an ongoing, it perhaps will never end, a debate around whether you have schools for boys and schools for girls or you've got mixed schools. Uh, Those sorts of debates do continue on and uh, some parents will have stronger views than others. Uh, That's not our conversation for today. That's perhaps a conversation for another day. But we're taking calls 1-800-316-316. I think we have Alex from Melbourne back with us. Alex, welcome along. Hello there, uh, Neil. Yes, uh, uh, it's difficult in this world without Jesus, without Christ in our life. Uh, there's there's no victory for us if we want to follow the Lord. We we have to have Him with us, and that's the power of of Him in us. And also um, in the Bible, we read uh, the uh, John the Baptist uh, saying, "Turn the heads." of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. So that we have to be, the elders have, uh, the, the parents have to be the example and then the children can take that example. And also, um, uh, you, they started off mentioning um, uh, Helen Reddy, that's right. I am woman, I am strong. Well, I would have liked to have heard her say, I am woman, I am strong in Christ, because otherwise <laughs> you're just putting out a challenge. And then when uh, when makeup is used, it's also putting out uh, the glamour. And uh, then you ask the question, what, what are we looking for? Or, you know, what's going on here? And, you know, all these things. But in the Bible, we have uh, the, the best teaching and how we should be and what we should be looking for and and doing in our life. Alex, you raise some important points in there, and uh, everyone, uh, as a parent, you're raising children, little girls and little boys. You've got to be able to find some sort of a balance, haven't you, as to how you fit into a society without being overtaken by a society that wants to exploit you. And uh, interesting issues around modesty, which you might say is one of the responses to the glamorisation of a porn industry. But let's get a thought or two from our guest. Melinda, your thoughts for Alex? Collective Shout is a very broad-based movement. We have Christian women involved. uh, We have... Feminist women involved, we have stay-at-home mums, we have academics. The beauty of Collective Shout is that we find common ground on uh, uh, the common ground that we can advocate for young people, for women, for girls, for boys, for men, for society as a, as a whole. That's our cause. That's our purpose. It might find different expressions in different in different people. But what is at the core here is is an issue around the dignity and the worth of the of the individual, uh, which we all agree on. Dignity and worth, uh, finding our true value, finding our true uh, meaning, and what it looks like for society, what it looks like for the community, and for uh, for civilization. Because the fact is that porn is destroying everyone, regardless of what they what they call themselves. And uh, we haven't done enough to stop that, including in our in our churches. We haven't done enough about form- formation, about formation, especially of uh, of young people. And and so the ideas of the culture uh, can take root quite easily, uh, even in in faith communities, if we're not if we're not very careful. So we're doing all we can uh, to fight that, and we bring on board anyone that agrees with us and wants to fight that, uh, fight that as well. 
Alex in Melbourne, thank you so much for your call. And time is running short. And uh, we said, hey, we want to talk about some of these wins that you've had, some victories, 17 in total so far, and the year's only just gotten underway. Uh, Let's spend a few minutes on that before we have to wrap things up. Melinda, what sort of victories has Collective Shout had so far this year? Neil, I'm always happy to talk about our victories, as you know, and uh, it's one of the reasons I enjoy being on your show because you you, uh, you give me more time than many to do that. So we uh, have had, as you said, 17 victories this year alone. Now, our biggest year ever was the year 2021 when we had uh, 20 victories that in that whole year. Seven of those were big global victories. But this year alone, we have already had 17. So we are going to surpass our previous record year. Now, some of the main uh, big victories that we have uh, had this year uh, involve something fairly distressing. I've talked about it before in this program, but an extra warning at this point because this is one of the most distressing things that I've ever been involved in uh, in my many years of staring into the abyss and reporting back, and that is uh, what are called child sex abuse dolls. These are lifelike, anatomically correct, often custom-designed children, toddlers and babies, which are sold through major e-commerce platforms, including uh, Alibaba. Well, we got them off Alibaba. That was our first big success uh, with this campaign, getting them off that e-commerce platform, multi-trillion dollar company. We also got them off uh, Made in China. So Made in China is another e-commerce platform selling that was selling these uh, children and replica child body parts and uh, more recently this year uh, we uh, got Instagram to remove eight child sex doll accounts so these were being promoted these companies selling uh, sex dolls including child sex dolls were being promoted on Instagram it's hard to believe isn't it and uh, the South Wales man who was getting kickbacks from these companies for promoting these dolls, his own dolls, and he was even getting reported in Australian media, uh, including uh, Channel 7. We, we got that promotion down off 7 News, and, uh, and as a result of our campaign, his four social media pages have shut down now. So that was a big start to uh, the year. Uh, we also have got... Uh, child sexual exploitation material off uh, Twitter and off Instagram. Uh, Twitter has added a tool to report child sexual exploitation. We have a global push going around age verification, protecting children from porn. We now have that taken up by the UK, Italy, Spain and four US states and we're working on Australia. We're still working on Australia, as I've mentioned uh, earlier. And uh, so they're just some of the wins that that we've had uh, with the child sex dolls. We are still working on Etsy, so please boycott Etsy. Don't support Etsy. Uh, everyone thinks Etsy is really nice, vintage, uh, homewares, crafts, small, supporting small business. Etsy is still selling these replica children and child replica child body parts and incest themed material. So right. keep up the pressure on Etsy. We've also had a, a number uh, Melinda, of complaints. I'm going to let me just yes. say we'll point listeners to the website where they can yes. go through. Uh, they might like to look at all of those campaigns and see where mm-hmm. the victories have happened. We are running short of time. Sure. Just to pick up on one thing that I think 
is really exciting and important uh, in the successes that you're seeing more and more. It's the fact that you've got someone on your team who discovers these things and is not afraid to speak up and you're using social media effectively. And while some of these products are being promoted on social media, you're saying, why don't we use social media to actually achieve the opposite result? Correct. Give us some insight here, some inspiration perhaps for listeners sure. to be able to speak now and speak strongly and using the social media or whatever means is at yep. their command. Yes. Well, one of the redeeming aspects of social media is that we've been able to harness it for our campaigns. I've been a campaigner for a long time. In the old days, you might write a letter, find an envelope, find a stamp, go to the post office, try to find a park, stand in line. Uh, and then post your letter, and you might get a response three or four months later, if at all. It was easier for these companies to ignore us. Now we just go on social media and we name the executives involved in, say, porn magazines, so-called lads magazines, promoting fantasies for Australian teenagers, schoolgirls, and we name these companies. We include the names of their executives, and we have wins very quickly. It's much easier now, and we train our people in how to do that. How to, use, how to use Twitter, for example, how to use Facebook, how to get your message out on Instagram. We've just recently set up a TikTok account. We've literally, we've literally come kicking and screaming to this, I can tell you, because none of us wanted to be there. But we've got to be where, especially where young people are, and speak into that void. You know, there's a vacuum there. Someone will fill it. It may as well be us. Uh, so we have been able to harness social media for our advantage 99% of our victories are achieved through social media, some of them within a few hours. Some of our fastest victories have taken about three hours. Uh, so it is, it is great to know how to use it and use it to our advantage. Well, whenever we have a conversation, Melinda, uh, you are an inspiration, an inspiration to action. And, uh, you know, the organisation itself is called Collective Shout. It means that you want to glean as, as much from as many uh, to raise their voices together so that you will be listened to because otherwise our culture is steamrolling across us, across our values and is harming our girls and our boys. And so, Melinda, I want to point listeners and I'm, I know you're always looking for a new friend or two. Uh, it's an organization that's growing. It's an organization that's effective. We're excited about hearing of these global uh, uh, efforts that you've got and showing real fruit from those global initiatives as well. So collectiveshout.org. And Melinda's mentioned a number of her books. Uh, she's written a whole bunch of them. You'll have to find that list of books on the Collective Shout website. But uh, take advantage of arming yourself and equipping yourself to be involved in these sorts of battles that are increasingly uh, doing harm to our children. Collectiveshout.org. Melinda tankard Reist. Melinda, thank you so much for taking some time to share these thoughts. Extreme thoughts, I might say, but uh, I don't think there's a prudish listener among us. Uh, we've all been uh, thrilled to hear just the challenges and the real-life challenge that is before us all. Thank you so much for joining us on 2020. Thanks, as always, Neil. We also have a tax-deductible fundraiser going on right now. If anyone would like to financially support our work, we need your help to keep this going and to, to continue with the success and have even more. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.